Welcome to the Sages Among Us. What makes a community great? Most importantly, it's the people who live and work there and are engaged in community life. The Sages Among Us focuses on those people, what they do and why they do it, and celebrates the leadership, time, and energy they bring to making a positive difference for all of us. And indeed, welcome to the Sages Among Us. I'm Keith Porter, and my guest live today is Dr. Thomas Kanamata. Tom is a primary care physician with Dignity Health Medical Foundation in Grass Valley, and he's one of the critical frontline health care providers for many of us uh, who served us during this uh, COVID pandemic. So, Dr. Kanamata, may I call you Tom? Yeah, certainly. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, full disclosure, you are my personal care physician. So, you know, in the office, I have to be very careful oh. about not getting too informal. But uh, anyway, I appreciate you taking the time and, and welcome you to the hot well. seat on the Sages Among Us. And uh, I want to yeah. share a little more about your background before we talk about your role in the community, if that's all right with you. So, uh, that's great. That uh, would be great. Okay. You were born in Toronto, in Canada. Uh, your father was a Japanese-Canadian who actually then went to Japan and was educated uh, in school in Japan when the war broke out. Um, your mother, uh, and, but then did come back to the U.S., uh, and then your mother was a post-war immigrant who came to the U.S. Uh, after establishing, I understand it was like a, a pen pal relationship with your father, and she came and packed her bags and came speaking no English to the U.S. and uh, joined him, and uh, they married and started a family. And uh, you were one of the result of that family, born in Toronto. And uh, you yeah, that's went that's right. It's it a remarkable history uh, <laughs> from my parents' point yeah. of perspective. Yeah, let's talk a little more about that, because you you shared with me some things that I didn't know about what happened to uh, Japanese Canadians during the war. Uh, but just to finish off with you, you went then off to school in Michigan at uh, Andrews University. And then for your medical degree, you came to California to Loma Linda University. Uh, you did your internship at uh, Kettering Medical Center in Ohio. You've practiced there. You practiced in Georgia. And in 2014, you came to practice here in Grass Valley, came to live in Colfax in our area and practice with Dignity Health in Grass Valley. So that's about as thumbnail as a sketch as a thumbnail sketch can be. Well, that's great. Well, that, that, would that conclude our radio interview? <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, you're not oh, off no. the hook oh, okay. yet. I, we've got a lot more we need to talk about. So... Um, as I mentioned, you, you, you were telling me that your father, uh, while born in Canada, was in Japan, was kind of caught there by the war, and didn't get back to Canada until it, 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 he couldn't participate in the war effort in Japan because he wasn't a Japanese citizen. He came back to Canada where your grandparents were uh, operating a farm uh, across the Rockies in Alberta because they had originally been based in British Columbia, but they were moved away from the coast in much the same way as uh, American Japanese were moved away from the coast into, into concentration camps, basically. So that must be quite an experience for your family. Oh, it was. Well, I wasn't there to experience that with them, and uh, uh, which was, I think, a fortunate thing. But uh, it was uh, it was pretty hard for my grandparents. Uh, you know, they they had they had lost everything in when they uh, settled in British Columbia, and they uh, were, had a family farm, a thriving farm, and then uh, all of that was taken taken away from them. Uh, they were interned. Um, they were, they were interned, as you said, in Alberta, uh, and then after the war, uh, they restarted again. Um, uh, acquired some land and be able to start a farm. Uh, my father was then able to come back and 
um, live with them for a period of time, but uh, he was not exposed to the, the farm life for, for too long and did not want to. He was more in the industry um, bred because he worked in a Mitsubishi aircraft plant for uh, during the war uh, wartime. Um, he was actually, his, his mother, my grandmother, was uh, actually planning for him to become a lawyer, become a uh, lawyer in Japan. Uh, to learn the language and to be able to get educated out there, but unfortunately he wasn't do that. He wasn't able to do that, and so he spent most of his time in the uh, industry, um, uh, in industrial uh, plants, uh, making airplanes and parts and so forth. And then he brought that skill back to uh, back to Canada, and then um, couldn't really manage on the farm. Uh, he didn't have the right skills to be a farmhand, and so he moved to Toronto and started working multiple jobs um, and then interacted with my mother um, by, by uh, mail. Uh, they didn't have email back then. Uh, yeah, uh, right. So they were, they were, they were uh, corresponding one another, and my father fell in love with uh, her picture, and then um, asked her to come to uh, come to um, Canada to make uh, uh, to form a family with him, and then um, my uh, and then eventually I came about in 1964. Oh. Well, your mother must have been some adventuresome person to have made that journey based just on a, a mail conversation or mail uh, interchange uh, to come all the way, you know, halfway around the world to a place where she didn't speak the language. Uh, she must have been an amazing person. Oh, I would say so. Uh, she uh, she was a very independent and uh, been able is able was able to raise the family on her own. Um, and all she brought was two little suitcases. Uh, didn't know the language, didn't know how to drive, but yet was able to raise the family of uh, my sister and I. She had a uh, I had an older sister, um, but unfortunately she passed away when she was about two years old um, from pneumonia. Um, and um, I never got a chance to meet her, uh, so maybe one day I can. Yeah. Well, so, uh, Tom, tell us a bit about your childhood in Toronto, then, with, with those very uh, uh, unusual and uh, very adventuresome parents, actually. But what were your interests, and, and tell us what it was like growing up there as a Japanese-Canadian uh, citizen in that family. Well... Well, my, my parents were quite aware that, um, you know, because of the war, there was quite a bit of uh, prejudice uh, against the Japanese. Um, and, you know, the Japanese were able to, they were able to be picked out fairly easily uh, in regards to their, because of the appearance. Right. And so my parents were very um, uh, cognizant of that. And so they taught me and my, my sister, both my sister and I, uh, to be, to try to meld into the society as much as possible. So they gave us uh, 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 um, uh, um, American, American, well, like American, but uh, English names. Right. And then we went by that, and pre- predominantly we spoke English, um, even though my mother's English was not very good. She said, no, you need to learn English, learn the language very well. Um, and then taught us to be diligent in the things that we do and try not to stand out so much. You know, don't be too rebellious. Don't be too, um, you know, don't <laughs> stick out like a sore thumb. Um, and, and it worked for most part, but because, you know, of you know, my appearance, you know, uh, and, and the fact that most of my uh, childhood friends and the people I associated with the school um, were all pretty much... Uh, uh, Anglo-Saxon, 
and they're Caucasian um, students. So I kind of, and that was predominantly the only Asian um, <laughs> student in my in my class. So I kind of still stood stood out. Um, and, and for the most part, I was able to get along with everybody. And uh, but occasionally, you know, I would be picked on. You know, there would be a few, okay. few, few bullies that would occur, um, come up to me and, you know, start picking on me a little bit and, and call me chink. <laughs> that was kind of the derogatory term. Yep. Um, uh, or, or nip. Um, those are kind of derogatory terms for Asians at the time. And uh, try to try to pick a fight with me. Uh, but then, you know, back in the 70s, you know, there was this, um, uh, this uh, martial arts was starting to rise up, and uh, um, Bruce Lee was a uh, predominant figure of the martial arts. And, you know, and, and oftentimes the, the um, you know, kids don't know any d- different, and so I would, you know, throw up, uh, throw up my hands in a knife-like fashion and, you know, and, 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 and let out a yell and say, <laughs> Ha! I know Bruce Lee. Yeah. You better then, not, better you know, not pick on me. On me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good for you. So, that was my defense. Way to hold your own. <laughs> but, you know, I got my friends, and I was able to get different interests and so forth. And, you know, I spent most of my time in music. Uh, my, my parents uh, uh, pushed me towards learning the piano, and eventually, and I got into high school, I started joining different bands and playing the trumpet, and um, you know that was that was a lot of my uh, interest there. Um, I spent a lot of times in different clubs, like the um, Math Club. Um, there's the Bridge Club, and <laughs> a lot of the nerdy type of things that uh, <laughs> you, know, um, you know some some guys would that don't want to get too uh, too involved in violent type activities would. Uh, would spend time in. Well, I think you probably answered what well, question I was going to ask you is: that, Were you the good child or more of a rebel? It sounds like you were you were kind of fo- focused on being good in, in order to not get into any kind of trouble. So yeah, I didn't want to have. Yeah, my yeah. parents didn't want me to be uh, picked on. I didn't want to be isolated or ostracized in society, and so they focused on me trying to be uh, respectful to authority and not to engage into co- any conflict. There you go. Uh, I'm Keith Porter. My guest today is Dr. Tom Canamata. He's a pr- primary care physician with Dignity Health Medical Foundation in Grass Valley, one of the people that's really helped many, many of us through this uh, uh, significant public health crisis, perhaps the most significant ub- public health crisis in our lifetimes, un- um, almost undoubtedly. Um, and also a Japanese-Canadian-born um, uh, person, an American citizen now, I assume, uh, but you've said you still hold important values that you learned from your parents. You said hard work from your, fr- your father and your mother uh, converted to the Seventh-day Adventist faith uh, when you were a child. How have those um, values impacted the direction of your life, would you say? Well, I think um, because of the fact that uh, you know, my parents uh, wanted to make me uh, successful in life, uh, they wanted to instill certain values, and so hard work was something that my father always did, and I hardly ever saw him. He would oftentimes hold three different jobs, um, you know, most of them blue-collar type work, um, and um, it would do odd jobs like uh, cleaning um, uh, stores and things like that, and I would, uh, he would oftentimes invite me to come and work with him, and I would see him just work hours and hours and nonstop. Uh, that really made a great impact on me, and, and 
and my and my mother, um, you know, she didn't know how to drive. Uh, she would often got in got into the Christian faith, uh, joined the Seventh Day Adventist Church when I was quite young, and um, she made it a, a effort. It made a strong effort to make it to church every Sabbath. We on, on that, that's our on Saturdays is what right. the uh, the the faith believes in is to ha- worship on on the seventh day. And so she would, even though she wouldn't have a car, she would ha- manage to get us to church every week, and we never missed it, missed a day, never missed a, a service. Um, and ha- we, she would arrange have people to come and pick us up, and we would, and she would have us involved in many of the activities at churches at, at church. And you know, it, it continued to um, those values continued to hold true until you know I left home when I was about uh, eighteen and uh, went to school there afterwards, and I had some other influence from other friends and so forth. And then I kind of let that those values kind of left me when I was um, in the teenage, early twenties, and uh, into my thirties, um, and you know, I took a different av- an avenue of of um, what was important to me. I kind of left. Uh, slowly left uh, those values of hard work by continue to study hard and that's what you know you, you, you must have to get your medical to degree <laughs> that goes without saying right yeah. continue to study hard uh, but as far as your know, work ethics it kind of la- lacked a little bit more and um, you know, religion didn't become important to my life for a little while uh, until you know until I got into residency and they got married and eventually when I started to have children those values came back fairly strong again. But you did go to you did get your medical degree from Loma Linda University, which is a Seventh day Adventist institution if I'm if I'm correct. Is that right? It, that that is correct. And then uh, my my parents kinda of directed me uh, actually, actually my mom mother is the one that directed me to stay in those uh, Adventist uh, institutions. Um, our our church is quite blessed to have very high uh, high level an education system, and which you know, takes us from elementary school uh, to um, high school through college and into uh, postgraduate uh, studies. And Loma Linda, um, uh, and uh, Loma Linda was one of the uh, institutions that I was able to attend, along with um, Andrews University, which is in uh, Berrien Springs, Michigan. So I was going to ask what, why, why you went to Michigan, uh, why you left Toronto and went to Michigan to college. Yeah, and it's primary to stay in the uh, uh, Adventist uh, education system, and plus the fact all my friends were going to those uh, those schools as well, and so um, I wanted to uh, uh, be with my friends as uh, um, as I got my uh, education. Okay, so we'll just chalk that up to a little time of rebellion there in your uh, late teens, early twenties, but uh, back into the uh, faith and back into the values more clearly, more more definitely a bit later That's right. on. So did you always aspire to become a physician, or was there some event that caused you to head in that direction? Well, you know, as you mentioned, my my, uh, parents are um, Asian, and, you know, most Asian parents want their children, their firstborn son, to be uh, either a doctor, dentist, a lawyer or an engineer, <laughs> and so um, you know my my selection of career uh, uh, career choices had, was kind of narrow, uh, and and ended up even becoming narrower when my when my mother's friends, who are all church members, um, oldest sons uh, or one of their sons became doctors, and so when they when they decided to become doctors, then 
my fate to become a doctor was sealed at that point. <laughs> it was sealed, <laughs> so yeah. It's basically... <laughs> Yeah, so it's uh, it's kind of like, uh, and you you could t- ask most Asian Asian um, um, young people, you know, what their parents want them to be, and it's usually one of those occupations. Well, is it um, is medical school as hard as it's reputed to be amongst us lay people who are told how, how grueling that is? Is that true? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, it's it's probably worse. Really? Okay. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> yeah, well, at least when I went through there, uh, and I don't probably I don't, and I imagine now it's probably uh, even worse when I went uh, uh, through medical school back in the in the uh, uh, late eighties. Um, it was it was like uh, you know the phrase of uh, drinking out of a fire hydrant uh, was the uh, <laughs> was the um, uh, what we called the um, picture that you would have. Going through medical school, you're you're constantly fed so much information. You're constantly uh, required to regurgitate information. Uh, you're always um, uh, ranked within the class, uh, trying to be better than the other uh, your other classmates. Um, uh, maybe not. <laughs> you you wouldn't say that you're trying to be the other yeah. beat your your students, other students. But you know that you're trying not to be, uh, not trying to not try to be you're trying to be the not trying to be the one that is at the bottom of the class no and then to, <laughs> to stay in there and survive and ride the wave well uh, i tell you what you've convinced me i was uh, probably smart to take the engineering route myself <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i thought to myself maybe engineering would have been better but um, <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't get that opportunity <laughs> i didn't get that option so uh, after your med school, you did your uh, residency, and uh, I'm not sure I'm using the right terms, or internship and residency with uh, at, uh, Kettering Medical Center in Ohio. And there you met your wife, who was an RN, and you met on your first night on call as an intern. That sounds like a marriage that was meant to be. Well, I, I don't know, but <laughs> you know, actually when I was going through going through a residency, I didn't really have the uh, intention of getting married. Um, you know, still in my in my mid twenties at that point, and I still thought I had everything ahead of me. And um, um, well, it was the first night on call, um, and I was on the, uh, a pulmonary service. That you know, those are the days where you didn't have much of a, a cap on how many patients you saw and how many patients you admitted. So, you know, I'd be admitting 10 patients a night. I'd be up all night and, um, you know, rounding on uh, 30 to 40 patients a day. And, uh, you know, those were the days when, you know, residents were residents, you know. <laughs> yeah, you're from... <laughs> but, uh, but, that, but that night, uh, you know, I got one, uh, one of my first calls I got uh, was, you know, from 3 North was telemetry unit. And... Um, my wife was uh, well. Not that my wife wasn't wasn't my wife at that time, but Shelley uh, was on uh, was taking care of a patient. Had some questions. Wanted me to uh, to evaluate the patient. So I went up to her floor, and uh, we got to talking about the patient. And then I took care of the issue. And then we started talking a little bit more. And we talked for about an hour. And um, surprisingly, my pager never went off. Ah, good <laughs> while for you. We were talking. So- so it sounds well, like it did, and I didn't really notice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. I hope not. Sounds sounds like the hand of fate to me, though. It really does. So, um, Tom, you, yeah. you you practiced in Ohio, and then you uh, you moved to Georgia for a bit. Uh, what prompted that move? 
Well, you know, we we were I was in practice for about twenty years in um, internal medicine. I was practicing um, traditional medicine, um, and you know, in the company was taken over by not taken over, but we the the group the partners had taken on a uh, uh, administrative group uh, that basically took care of all the administration things and uh, making a lot of the decisions, um, and you know. The physicians were somewhat involved. The partners are somewhat involved, but not all the all the partners were involved. And so, basically, what ended up happening is that I felt that we're I was taking all the risk, but not ma- been able to make much of the decisions. Oh. Not very being very happy at the time, and so I decided, well, I should we should probably try to find another venue or another place to work that might be a little bit less risky. And so we went found a place down in Georgia. I was there for about three years, but uh, that didn't work out too well. It was it was it was a nice uh, um, interlude, but what ended up happening that uh, the Gordon County in Georgia was allowing chicken farms to grow and proliferate in that area, and and it ended up that my house was surrounded by multiple chicken houses, which oh. house you know these house, huge warehouses that house chickens and. It smells really bad, and <laughs> there's yeah. all kinds of flies, and so it made the place very hazardous to live. And uh, and, and and the and the company was taken over by another um, uh, with another entity, and and my contract wasn't renewed. So we thought it was a, be a good time to move at that time. Right, and that was about uh, 2014 or so. Yeah. Well, let me just say again, I'm Keith Porter. My guest today is Dr. Tom Canamata. He's a primary care physician with Dignity Health Medical Foundation right here in Grass Valley. Um, and one of the people that's seen so many of us through this uh, pandemic period uh, faithfully and uh, with good humor and all those kinds of things. And we're very grateful for that. But uh, you did come uh, to Dignity Health, I understand, in 2014. Were you recruited here? I know Dignity Health has been looking to recruit doctors to help serve in our semi-rural area here. Well, um, actually, what ended up happening is that um, I was—we were looking to move into this area, um, and uh, I initially was interviewed by Sutter. Okay. Uh, down in Auburn, and um, and they, when they interviewed me, they found me to be overqualified. <laughs> oh. And uh, you know, I was kind of tried to str- struggle to f- figure out what overqualified mean, but. Apparently, I may have been too old for them to to hire, and um, <laughs> so. But they said they were looking for individuals that they're able to um, train, so to speak, to to meet their mold that they're looking for. Really. Uh, and but and and alternately, what ended up happening is my wife found uh, found the position here, and so in her research, and she was able to. Uh, we we connect. We were able to connect uh, with uh, Dignity, and I was interviewed and was hired. Good. So what... It wasn't necessarily a recruitment. What what actually drew you and your wife to uh, our area? You, you said you came here seeking to be here, right? Yes. Well, the initial initial draw was uh, the lifestyle center that's in uh, Weimar. Uh, it's called the uh, Weimar Institute there. It, was, um, it has a uh, lifestyle center. It has uh, a college... Uh, high school and uh, elementary school at the time. My, my son, um, we homeschooled all our children. Uh, my second son, uh, we couldn't keep busy enough uh, with homeschooling. And so it became a challenge. And so um, 
we sought out a different, uh, tried to sought a different way of educating him during his high school years. And um, we, my wife, did a lot of research and found that uh, Weimar uh, Academy, uh, which is, which um, trains the high school aged uh, students, uh, thought to be a good fit for him. And so that was the initial draw to come to the uh, the community. And oh, great. Uh, when uh, we came here, when we came here, we found that the uh, air people were very nice. They found all the amenities were are excellent. Um, it, uh, the weather was wonderful, um, and uh, the people were very nice. And so we 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 fell in love with this area. Well, I'm going to say there's another match uh, that had the hand of fate involved in it then too. Just to <laughs> for the record, because I think the community is very blessed to have you here. Um, Tom, we've got about, uh, or, wow, time is going by so fast, we've got about five minutes left, but I want to be sure we touch on the key question in my mind, which is, what would you share uh, about the your experience as a f medical professional during this last two years? Uh, you know, what, what has been the things that have been most on your mind, that have concerned you the most, uh, and that you would suggest to the rest of us that we, that we do to pay attention to all of this? That's a good question. It's it's been a very chaotic and very difficult time for many of us. Uh, you know, things change a lot. Um, you know, people are told to do one thing, and then uh, things change uh, to uh, to to do something else, and things come up uh, we're not sure about. Um, you know, the the you know, I think as a medical as a medical pr uh, provider. Um, you know, we try to do the best we can. We try to stay on the information on top, be on top of all the information that we have available to us. Uh, this COVID uh, pandemic is new. We don't know everything, didn't know everything about it. Um, but, you know, I think at this point we know more about it than we did when it first started. Um, and which I think at the time made it more difficult for people to believe who, to understand who, who they can believe. But you know, we I hope that uh, that you know that our my patients um, uh, were able to uh, keep their confidence in me, and as far as uh, the information that I gave them, um, you know, when when we first started on the pandemic, we were told to wait um, and see what we, you know how the patients um, do uh, in, you know, with with the virus, with they if they become COVID positive, um, and um, and if they become more sick, then we send them to the hospital. But you know, during that time, we want what oh, I didn't have any other means to try to treat these things, uh, and so you know, one one of the things that I try to do is to improve the patient's immune system and do what they can to improve their immune system and uh, doing supplements, um, try to exercise, uh, try to get the fresh air, um, uh, avoid stress, eating healthy, um, those type of things that were very important in in. Fighting off the uh, the the virus in per se, and so what I have basically have learned uh, during the last two years is that you know that not only will that um, help you combat the virus uh, that we that this unknown virus, but also many other diseases as well. In in maintaining good health, maintaining good lifestyle practices, um, you should be able to. Ward off many of the other diseases, not just the the COVID, but you know heart disease, diabetes, and cancers, and so forth. It'll be easily uh, taken care of with excellent health uh, lifestyle uh, health practices. I bet. 
Well, so uh, what, what, what do you say to your patients? Uh, and maybe I assume you still have some who refuse to be vaccinated. What, what, what is the, what, what's, the, uh, what's the way you think influences them the most? Oh, yes. Well, you know, when, when most of my patients, uh, you know, most of my patients are vaccinated. I'd say, well, 80, 80% of my patients, 80, 90% of my patients are vaccinated. There are a few that don't. Um, I try to convince them that the data shows that the um, vaccine does work. Uh, it does reduce hospitalizations. It reduces the number of deaths. Um, uh, and um, the data is out there that proves that, that yeah. shows that. But it's a matter of choice. Um, I say, uh, I tell them that, um, you know, I'm not going to force you to, to take the vaccine. For those who don't, um, I think it, you, might, you want to look at the data. You want to look at the information that's available to us and to be able to make the, the right choice. And I think that that should be the same for all the things that we do in, in life. It's, it's a matter of choice. We shouldn't have to be forced to do things. Um, and, but you want to do the things that's best for yourself best for your family, and best for your community. It sounds like a prescription for all of us. So thank you, doctor, for your prescription. In 30 seconds, Tom, what would you say you like the most about this community that we both call home? Well, this community is, well, I talked to a lot of, lot of my patients about this area, and a lot of them like it because of the fact that people are still approachable. We're able to talk to one another. There are some people that are, you know, talk to their neighbors, you know, across the fence. You know, they, they stand and chat with one another. They help one, one another. When, when, when someone is having problems, they will, they will uh, go out of their way to take them to the doctor, take them to the grocery, get the things that they need. All right. Well, hey, Dr. Tom Canamata, thank you. So I'm, I'm going to have to leave it there because of timing, but thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Tom Canamata is a primary care physician with Dignity Health Medical Foundation Grass Valley and has helped an awful lot of us through this pandemic.